and certainly looking forward to the possibility that this is getting very near the return uh, of our Savior. I pray that you would help us to both rejoice in it and be burdened by it at the great work that still is yet to be done. And so, Father, may we be diligent in these areas. I pray that you'll bless the teaching, the preaching of your word tonight. And, Lord, speak to our hearts, give wisdom where it's needed, and may we rightly divide and understand your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> uh, let's turn to Isaiah chapter 28 tonight, if you will. Isaiah chapter 28. Uh, I'm going to do a little bit of a different lesson tonight. Uh, I, my intent was to uh, begin a, uh, a two- or three-week-long study on the topic of biblical repentance. And I've spent several months... Um, studying extensively in Scripture on the subject of repentance and uh, reading some of the historical positions uh, of our Baptist faith and, um, and making sure that we have a biblical understanding um, what is repentance in Scripture, uh, in what ways is it used and regarded in Scripture, uh, what role does it play uh, in our salvation, uh, all of these are questions that I think sometimes uh, we hear taught differently from different sources, and we don't always know what best to think on them. And so I want us to take a, um, a very, uh, very careful look at Scripture, uh, because really you don't need to know what my thoughts are about re- repentance. Uh, you need to know what does the Bible say about it. Uh, and we want to we want to do that. And uh, there's another uh, couple of topics that over the next six or eight months uh, I, I've been praying about and studying and doing some notes on um, that I think are also areas that uh, various good, well-meaning, Bible-based, sincere Christians differ on. Uh, and I, I hope that by doing these, we can provide at least some clarity and some more singleness of mind on the issue from the Scriptures, uh, that we're not all pulling different directions in, in the same area. And uh, in preparation for that, I was going to actually begin it tonight, but because of my schedule next week, I'm going to have to be out of town next Wednesday. I, I didn't want to break uh, the, the, the series up. It's probably I know at least it's going to be two Wednesdays, more than likely three, and a, and a slight possibility of four. Um, because, again, I don't want us to, we're not, we're not just going to take one passage of Scripture and try to teach it. We're going to look at the subject as wholly and as entirely as we can from Scripture and find out what does it say and, and you know, try to um, have an absolute understanding of rightly dividing God's Word. And uh, we'll do that on two or three subjects here over the next probably 12 months. And uh, in... in trying to pray about what to bring tonight. I had a couple of other lessons that are already ready to bring. But I thought, you know, it might be helpful tonight. Now, Lord willing, we're going to do this this evening. It might be helpful tonight to uh, try to give us some biblical ground rules of how we approach these subjects and how do we, how do we, how do we know that we are coming to Scripture with the right uh, mindset, the right heart, the eyes that are opened to the truth of it. And so I want to... I want to give you some principles tonight on how do we approach doctrine in Scripture. How do we come up with it? How do we know that we're right on it? 
Uh, and so I'm going to try to do some things this evening that uh, I hope will be a help to you um, and kind of lay some, some ground rules and some foundation for these, these next few studies we'll be doing. Isaiah chapter 28, <clears throat> let's begin in verse number 1. Isaiah chapter 28. Woe to the crown of pride to the drunkards of Ephraim, whose glorious beauty is a fading flower which are on the head of the fat valleys of them that are overcome with wine. Behold, the Lord hath a mighty and a strong, uh, behold, the Lord hath a mighty and strong one, which as a tempest of hail and destroying storm, as a flood of mighty waters overflowing, shall cast down the earth with the hand. The crown of pride, the drunkenness of uh, drunkards of Ephraim, shall be trodden under feet. And what uh, give you the background of where what's being pro- prophesied here is God's judgment on the pride of, of Israel in the end times. Uh, in the, after his second coming, he sets up his kingdom during the tribulation period, uh, and uh, he's going to bring judgment on Israel. Uh, there's an immediate prophecy that is given here, but it is actually foretelling his judgment uh, on the Jewish people during the tribulation period for their, their proud rejection of him. And this is what he's dealing with in chapter 28. And the Bible says, And the glorious beauty which is on the head of the fat valley shall be a fading flower. And as the hasty fruit before the summer, which when he hath looked upon it, seeth while it is yet in his hand, he eateth it up. In that day shall the Lord of hosts be for a crown of glory and for a diadem of beauty unto the residue of his people. So not the proud ones, not the ones that are, that are rejecting him, that the two different times... Isaiah uses the phrase here that they are uh, pr- the, the pride of the drunkards of Ephraim. Uh, I, get, I, I understand from that that uh, there could be a literal idea that they're given to a lot of wine, but I think really the context of it is that they are drunk with their pride. They're, they're engorged on it. Uh, they, they, are so, they think so highly of themselves. And um, the Bible says in verse 5, In that day shall the Lord of hosts be for a crown of glory and for a diadem of beauty unto the residue of his people. Well, what are the residue? The residue are those that aren't prideful. Those are the ones that aren't rebelling against God but are accepting Him. And verse 6, it says, And for a spirit of judgment to him that sitteth in judgment, and for strength to them that turn the battle to the gate. So those few remnant that are still holding true, God's going to be a strength to them. But look at verse 7. It says, But they also have erred through wine and through strong drink. Uh, they also have erred through wine and through strong drink are out of the way. The priest... And the prophet have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. For all tables are full of vomit and filthiness, so that there is no place clean. And so far you're thinking, where in the world is this passage going? I want you to understand the setting that God is is painting here. That the children of Israel are full of their pride. They're full of their arrogance. Even their religious leaders are corrupt. And their judgment is, is corrupted. Uh, they've defiled their religious instruction. And, and these are people who are supposed to be the leaders of teaching the Jewish people the oracles of God. And I want you to keep that in mind, this, this setting here. These are the, the priests and the prophets that are supposed to be sitting in judgment, that are supposed to be having righteous uh, uh, teaching and doctrine and, and leading... The people, uh, God says that they err in their vision, they stumble in judgment, uh, they're defiled through their strong drink, and they're swallowed up of their wine. And it says, all of the tables are full of vomit and filthiness, so that there is no place clean. 
Not even the, the most religious, the most uh, pious uh, type of folks that there were supposed to be, even those were defiled. And this is the setting we find as we come to verse number 9. And the question is asked here, Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Everything's corrupted, and you can almost hear God asking this question. How am I going to do this? Who are we going to teach? And he's not up there biting his nails. He's not worried about it. He's asking a question to make a point to the Jewish people. I can't teach you doctrine and give you understanding of doctrine when there's corruption in your midst, when there's lack of judgment. And he says this in verse 9. He says, whom shall he teach knowledge and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Notice he answers it. Aren't you glad when God asks a question and then answers it for us? Notice what he says. Them that are what? Weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts. For precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. Here a little and there a little. He says, look, I've got a remnant. I want to teach them. They're the ones that will sit in the gate and they'll fight for the right judgment. I'll, give, I'll be their strength. They said these, these religious leaders, these folks that are corrupt, how can I teach them doctrine? I can't teach them doctrine because they're not weaned from the milk. They are trying to come up with their beliefs based on their circumstances and the way they want to live. They are not establishing their beliefs line upon line and precept upon precept. In other words, they weren't going to the Scriptures to learn how to live. Look with me, if you will, for a moment. Turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 5. We, uh, we've read this before. It's nothing new to many of you. But a very similar passage that the writer of Hebrews gives us. In Hebrews chapter number 5. And let's go down to verse number... Uh, let's start in verse number 5. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse number 5. So also Christ glorified not Himself. So we're speaking here of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is, he is the subject of what we're talking about here for the next few verses. So also Christ glorified not Himself to be made an high priest, but He that said unto Him, Thou art My Son, today have I begotten Thee. And He saith unto another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So Christ wasn't a high priest because He established it Himself. The, the Father had this in His plan. He's the one that established Christ as the high priest. And it says here, "...who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard, and that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek." And so the writer of Hebrews is trying to explain some of these deeper truths about the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ and His role as our high priest. And he's, he's trying to give the explanation of this, and then he goes on to say this in verse number 11. Of whom, speaking of Christ here, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered. In other words, there's some things that it's going to be difficult for some people to understand. Hard to be uttered. Notice what it says here. Seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. 
For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You say, well, what does that have to do with doctrine? Our chapter and verse separations in our King James Bible were not inspired. This is a letter. Let's look in verse 1 of chapter 6. He says, therefore, leaving the principles of what? Of what? Of the doctrine of Christ. He's speaking here of the lack of understanding because people are on the milk of the Word. Lack of understanding of doctrine. When we have a difficult time and when there are, there are numerous sincere Bible-reading, King James Version Christians that really long to know their doctrine, that have differing views on a doctrine, you can mark it down, one or both or all are failing in this area of being on the meat of the Word. And possibly because we have not done the labor and the study and the extent of diligence in seeking to know the truth of that doctrine. We are content to be taught it by men that we trust. And, and I'm not saying don't, don't listen to preaching. I'm not trying to discount preaching. I'm not trying to say that there are men out there that you shouldn't listen to because their doctrine is wrong and, and they're really good men. And, and I'm not out to attack anybody tonight. That's not my intent here this evening. My intent is this, that we do not get our doctrine because Brother Greg stands up here and teaches it to you. I'll be the first one to tell you that. You get your doctrine because it's what the Bible says. Nor do we hold to doctrine that we have been traditionally taught simply because it's what was traditionally taught. Now, I'm not against tradition if there is a biblical foundation for it. In fact, I don't believe in changing tradition unless I have good reason from Scripture to say they were wrong in that tradition. But on the other side of that coin, I cannot just simply hold to tradition when I know the Bible teaches otherwise. And so we, not, we must have a discernment here. And, and the writer of Hebrews speaks this. God, in, in, in Isaiah 28, speaks of this thing, that those that he can teach doctrine to, that he can give understanding to, are those that have to be weaned from the milk. You can't just... You can't just read your Bible five minutes a day and expect to be solid in your doctrine. It's going to take some labor. Solomon said that in the studying of books, there's much weariness of the flesh. And, and I can't quote the verse exactly, but he speaks about the reading of books and uh, that, that, that it wearies the flesh because there's a labor involved in study. And, and I fear so often that some of the doctrinal error that we come into in our churches is because we fail to sit down with the Bible in hand and a serious and a, and, a, and a diligent focus on, I want to know this doctrine. And so I'm going to open the pages of this book, and I'm going to find everything. I'm going to, I'm going to saturate this subject with Scripture and find out what does it say about it. And too many times we're content to just simply be taught. I'm not, don't get me wrong. Again, I, this is why I teach on Wednesday nights. I want you to be taught. I, but that, folks, is nothing more than to whet your appetite to give you a basis to start and to springboard off of, to dive into Scripture and learn for yourself what this doctrine is in Scripture. Now, I'm going to try to give you several, <clears throat> several helpful things tonight regarding how do we come up with doctrine from Scripture. The Bible, and, and I, I'm, 
I'm going to say a couple things tonight. And, and maybe on the surface they may sound abrasive. I do not intend them that way. I do not. I promise you I do not. If you have been through some of these things, I'm not attacking you, okay? But when I get in a group of people and they say, boy, we, we all got together and we studied Scripture the other night, and Brother So-and-so said, boy, I real, this really means this to me. And then Brother So-and-so over here says, oh, but I got this over here to me. Can I tell you this? Doctrine does not vary based on the subject Per, the person that it's subjected to. Doctrine is settled. Doctrine is in, word of, in the Word of God. It is not up for discussion. It is not up for debate. And it is not up for private interpretation. There are applications that may vary in your circumstances, but that doctrine will never change and it will never contradict. And, and I, I, I urge you to be very, very careful when you come into group settings where you're trying to discuss topics of Scripture that you don't have a lot of various thoughts all scattered around like a big shotgun on a particular topic. If it's that way, keep digging at the subject till you can all come together in unity that this is what the Bible teaches. You don't say, it means this to me, it means this to me, and you all go your way and say, well, we all got doctrine. No, you didn't. You got opinion, but you didn't get doctrine. So let me give you a couple, uh, just some rules to follow, okay? Just things that will help us as we approach some of these, these topics that can be hot-button hot topics maybe. I, I hope they're not. I hope we're gracious enough to come to God's Word and see what it says and then let God settle in our hearts once and for all. This is what the Bible says about it. Number one, doctrine is to, base, to be based totally, and I'm going to emphasize this, totally, of, uh, on, the total, I'm sorry, on the totality, doctrine is to be based on the totality of the Bible teaching in any given subject matter, not just a passage of Scripture. You do not base a doctrine on one passage. I would say you don't even base it on one or two passages. You take the totality of the subject that you're studying, the doctrine that you're studying, from Genesis to Revelation, and you look at all of it because it all builds to the doctrine. You say, well, if I do that, it's going to change what I believe. Then you have the wrong doctrine. The Bible will never, and doctrine will never contradict other portions of Scripture. It won't do that. God cannot go against His own character. He will not contradict His own truth. And if you come to a realization that I better leave that Old Testament passage out because it doesn't agree with my doctrine, then your doctrine's wrong. When we deal with doctrine, you can't just pull a Scripture. You can't just pull one passage. You can't just pull one chapter or even two or three books. When I, when I would urge you, if you're a serious student and you want to know doctrine, sit down with the Bible and do not rush. Start, if it takes you five months to get to the truth, take five months to do it. Do not rush. Get in the beginning of it. Write out. There's computer software now. You can type in a word. And it will give you every verse listed in Scripture. And you can print a button on a printer. And in a moment, without spending weeks of going through verse by verse and finding them, in a 15-second in a, in a search and a hit of a print button, you can have every verse of Scripture on that one word. And then read every verse of Scripture on that one word. Within the context, some of them won't apply. And you can say, I see in the context, that's not really applying to this doctrine. It was just the word that matched up. And you weed those out. 
until you get the totality of what the Bible has to say on the topic. And then you begin to work on knowing what that doctrine says. But folks, I beg and plead with you, do not get trapped in this idea of one or two or three passages that you have as your proof text. And we like to use that term, proof text. This is my proof text for what I believe. That is a recipe for out-of-context doctrine and doctrinal error. I have no trouble having a proof text once you have your totality of doctrine solved by Scripture that you kind of is your go-to verse to help you. But the doctrine better be based on the totality of the subject matter in Scripture. Because from Genesis, God begins to teach doctrine. And He's not done teaching it until He gets all the way to the end of Revelation. So, doctrine is to be based on the totality of biblical preaching in any given subject matter. Number two, the understanding of a doctrine must be founded upon the context, the totality of the context of biblical preaching. Not just one context, but all of it. I know I say context all the time. But the same way we look at the Scripture in its totality, we have to look at contexts in their totality. Uh, for instance, I'm, I'm, I've been studying on repentance. Do you know that there are times where it says um, in, in a certain character of Scripture, uh, he repented of this decision? Well, that doesn't mean he's repenting uh, of sinful things. It just means he changed his mind about the issue. I would take that and I would say, okay, in, in what I'm studying about the doctrine of repentance and how it relates to salvation, that verse doesn't apply because of its context. Do you see where I'm going with this? So, so you have to, even when you do those searches and you get all those verses together, you have to take the totality of the contexts that are given. And you begin to weed through those. Number three, doctrine, and I just made this statement a minute, but it needs to be one of our rules. Doctrine does not vary depending on the particular student's understanding of it. Doctrine is settled and it's right and it's true. And you will not have multiple Christians with differing views of doctrine and all of them be right. There's only one doctrine. There's only one truth. And so we need to, we need to search out that. If we vary in a doctrine, I think it behooves us and it's very wise for us to say, am I wrong? Do I need to go back to Scripture? And it, folks, once you've established a doctrine... Don't be, if you've already based it on Scripture, don't be afraid to go back and show it from Scripture. I know people that settled doctrine years ago. I did this for years. I settled doctrine years ago. And then I, I, when people would question me on it, I'd say, there's no need because I've already settled it. I already went through the Bible. Go through it again. Because I'll tell you something. We're human, and I've been through the Bible I don't know how many times now in my lifetime. And I have found things that, boy, I didn't see that before. And maybe that makes a difference now, and maybe I was a little off on my doctrine. Be careful about being so settled on it from 40 years ago that you're not willing to continue to look into Scripture. It's a living book. It's not going to vary. So if, if you have a differing opinion of, of a doctrine, one or both of us are wrong. And hopefully it's you and not me. <laughs> but, but no, we, all, we are, do, do we not? We all think we're right or we wouldn't have that doctrine. What determines whether we're right or wrong? My absolute convincing of myself that I'm right? No. The Bible is the only thing that can tell us if our doctrine is right or not. And if you once studied it and settled it, don't be afraid to go back to it. If you're that confident of it being settled and rooted in Scripture, 
then be willing to go back and look at it in Scripture again because it shouldn't change your mind if you were right. And if it does, it's a good thing you went back and looked at it in Scripture again. Okay? So I want to try to be a help to us because these are things that a lot of times I'm afraid we err in doctrine on because we don't approach it in the right way. Number four, it is of utmost importance that we rightly divide the issues of doctrine because it is the eternity of men's souls that hangs in the balance. With that statement being made, there are several things under this because it is so important, because it is vital that we are right on doctrine. Not just convinced of it, but right on it. There are some things that have to take place. Number one, when we come to study scripture or to study doctrine, we need to begin we need to begin with a season of prayer requesting for God to aid us divinely with his illumination by his holy spirit while we study scripture. That needs to be the premium thing before we ever even open the scriptures. Lord, I'm getting ready to come to your word. I need to know this truth and to be right on it. I must have your aid. I need the understanding in my heart opened up. My eyes need to be able to see these things. Folks, that is the springboard for beginning to understand doctrine. Without that, everything else fails. It crumbles. Number two under this point, of uh, letter B if you're taking it, However you do out your outlines. I don't do a good outline for them. Uh, empty yourself, secondly, because it is so important that we rightly divide the issue of doctrine. You've got to empty yourself of pre-settled beliefs that have only been based on surface and shallow teaching of singular passages and come to God's Word with an open heart to be taught what it says in its entirety. Let me rephrase that or say that one more time. Empty yourself of pre-settled beliefs that have been based only on the surface of shallow teaching and singular passages. And come to God's Word with an open heart to be taught by it what it says. I I've very rarely have changed my position. There have been a few times in ministry I've changed my position on something because I have found it to be true in Scripture. I will say in every case... Every case. My intent was to set aside what I had always held to and to come to Scripture with a purely welcome and open heart, Lord, show me from your word. And every time I found myself trying to justify passages so I would not have to change my belief. Folks, we cannot approach doctrine that way in Scripture. We must... Be willing, if there's a, I'm not telling you to lay it aside for no reason, but if there is a question or discrepancy on doctrine, and I've got to come to God's Word to make sure of it, then I need to be willing to say, I'm going to take what I have always held to. I'm not going to forget it, but I'm going to set it aside while I look at Scripture. I'm not going to use it to influence my reading of that Scripture. I'm going to allow the illumination of the Holy Spirit of God in sharing that to my heart, to help dictate what my doctrine is. And if I come to the same conclusion when I'm done, I know that I've done it God's way and I am settled in my doctrine. If it changes me, then I am glad that I laid aside the things I had been taught and the things that maybe I had pulled from one or two scriptures 
and I went and saw the totality of it in Scripture because I've got to be right on doctrine, and so do you. The, the souls of men going to heaven or to hell hang in the balance. It is that important. Uh, number three, under this point, I'm on fourth point, but letter C, I guess, under four. Do not attempt to make scriptures fit your pre-settled beliefs, even if you have a working hypothesis as to what that doctrine is probably going to end up being. Don't try to, don't all of a sudden come to one scripture and say, oh, that throws my whole thought of this doctrine out now. So let's not look at that verse because it's messing my thought process up. You've got to take the scripture for what it says. Don't let your don't let your pre-settled beliefs or your high, even your working hypothesis of what you believe this is going to result in. Don't let that influence you to overlook scripture that may refute and show us the error of our doctrine. Be willing to to let the hard passages speak to you and help you understand that doctrine. Don't be afraid of them. You say, Pastor, I that's a verse I, I'm struggling to understand. Then stay on it until you understand it. Don't move on past it. Learn it. Get, get, get a grip on this thing. And, and don't, let it, don't let it sway you to hold to a belief just because you have a passage of Scripture that doesn't seem to fit it. Be willing to say, I need to know what this verse says. And if it causes me to throw out my, my direction I've been going and start back at the beginning again, then so be it. Because I've got to be right on doctrine. I cannot, I cannot take the chance of making an error when it matters eternity for someone. We must be right on it, folks. Uh, the next one, letter D. Make every effort to understand the passage for what it says. And by that I mean if you don't understand a word, look it up. If, you don't, if, you, if you're struggling with the phrase... Read the context around it. See what the setting is. See who's writing. Who's he writing to? What are the circumstances he's writing about? Learn about those things. I would not be opposed to getting some thoughts from other people that you trust that also you know search scriptures. But in doing that, be careful that you don't take what they say as your source of doctrine. That's not the authority. But if it helps clarify some understanding of a verse, I don't think there's a problem with that. Understand that, again, anything they give you is from men. What you must rely on is, what did God say? And I'd far rather bathe in prayer even more so, asking God for His help in illuminating the truth, than to make an error by asking another man and they be wrong and me take it as their truth and say, that's my doctrine. We need to be right on doctrine. Number letters five or whatever I'm on, on number four. Read every verse and passage dealing with the subject. That sounds like it is so simple and should go without saying. <laughs> but if you're going to understand a doctrine of Scripture and you're going to set your life on it and you're going to anchor yourself to it and you're going to depend on it being right for the eternity of a soul of a man, take the time to read every verse that talks about it. It, 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 it never ceases to amaze me how we get our favorite verses and we form a doctrine and we leave all the others that deal with the subject unread or undealt with. Take the time to read every verse. And even if it's, even if it's a verse that's just kind of related to it, 
read it. It may shed light on that doctrine. So that'll help you. All right, next. Look up words and phrases you don't understand. I already mentioned that one. Next one. Seek to have a clear understanding of doctrine before you finish. Don't leave a doctrine in question. If you're still questioning it, keep studying it. When you start tackling one and you start studying into it, stay with it till you got it. Stay with it till you got it. Don't give up on it. It it will be hard sometimes. It will be laborious. You'll you'll get tired of it sometimes. And I have, and others I've talked to that have done this, they have. There is weariness in it. It makes your brain hurt sometimes. <laughs> Don't get weary in it. Stay with it. Make sure that when you are established, when that finally becomes doctrine to you, make sure you understand it and can give a defense of it. I'm so tired of so many times people that come and question Christians about their beliefs, and we can't give an answer to them. Let me rephrase that. We can't give a biblical answer to them. We give a answer. Some of us give an answer whether we know the answer or not. But we don't have a biblical basis. Folks, we've got to know our doctrine. When we deal with some of these issues the next several months and over the next year or so, I'm going to ask you to, to look at Scripture. It may be different because I know some of the subjects I'm dealing with, I know there are people that have varying views of it. But doctrine doesn't have varying views. It has one. And we need to come together and know what the Bible teaches on it. So I'm going to try to, we're going to, I'm not going to dictate to you what doctrine is. I'm going to show you Scripture, and we're going to look at it together. And we're going to come to an understanding. This is what the Bible teaches. All right? Uh, the last one I'm going to give you is, and I'm going to give you three just observations real quick. last one is, don't rush to a conclusion. Whatever time it takes, it takes. Don't rush to, we're in such a instant gratification world. <laughs> Uh, the microwave, you know, the, the, the drive-through window. Don't rush. And, and if, if, you, if you're late for an appointment and you've only got 15 minutes to study your Bible, I'd rather you, when it's, you know, it's okay to read it during that time, but don't use that time as your time to study doctrine. Get where you've got some time to spend in it. And mull it over and think on it and pray and bathe it in prayer. Bathe it in prayer. Read every verse of Scripture you can. There's three observations I want to make. I'll give them to you real quick and we're done. Number one, doctrine will never contradict any other portion of Scripture. If you have a doctrine and there's a verse in there that refutes your doctrine, your doctrine is wrong. I can't tell you always what the doctrine is, but I can certainly tell you what it's not sometimes. And if it refutes from other Scripture, I can tell you it's a wrong doctrine. Uh, Number two, the second one, do not elevate the teaching of men above what Scripture says. Do not elevate the teaching of men above what Scripture says. I have shared some doctrinal things with some people in the past. And I'll get statements. And I've, For years I've had this happen. Probably, oh, for the last 15, 20 years, I guess, I've had times where I've shared a doctrine of something with someone. And they'll say, well, that's not the way I heard it or the way I learned it. Well, <laughs> then we're, we're basing that doctrine on what we were taught from some other man. And if we're not careful, even though we say the Bible is our sole authority of faith and practice and that God doesn't give any new revelation, if we're not careful, when we hold to what teaching of men has taught us about doctrine, 
and the Bible says something contrary to it, we are saying that God gave revelation to that man, and it's at the level of Scripture. We may not come out in so many words and say it, but that's what we're doing in essence. We've got to be careful that we do not elevate the teaching of men above what Scripture says. And then lastly, do not base doctrine on what is not said in Scripture. If the Scripture is silent on it, there's a reason. Don't base a doctrine on what's not there. Okay? Now, these are some, we may have a few more as we go along that may be helpful if I come across something as we're studying these to help. I, I printed these notes out, folks. I think they're important enough for you to have in your hands. And if you'd like a copy, I've got them up here. Uh, we're getting ready to launch into some things that I know there's going to be some people that say, well, I, I've never, I don't see it that way or I, whatever. I want us to look at Scripture together, and I want us to do it with a spirit of unity. And, I'm not, again, I'm not going to dictate to you what the doctrine is from the pulpit here. I'm going to look at Scripture, and then at the end of it, we're going to come to a resolution and say, this is what the Bible says. It's what it teaches. And, uh, Lord willing, we'll be all in agreement on it by that time, and uh, hopefully the Holy Spirit has showed us all that. And if you do disagree, uh, keep studying, and I'll do the same. Because if there's a disagreement, one of us is wrong, or both of us is wrong, and that means we've got to keep studying. All right? So I hope that will help you. Okay, let's go ahead and stand. We'll be dismissed in prayer. Father, we're thankful for your word. And, Lord, I ask that you would help us. Lord, the hearts of our people here, I, I really do. I know our, our hearts, have, I've talked to many of them. 